Welcome to the episode Generational Wealth, the Pop Life Podcast. Starring your host, Kevin Davis. Let's get it. So today I'm going to be discussing my book, Who's Your Daddy? And so I want to talk to you about um, one of the chapters in the book. It's called Money Talks. All right. And I'm going to talk about my experience and how I how I became an investor and how I see we're not leaving generational wealth behind because we never thought to even think about it. Okay, so I'm going to get into it a little bit by telling you my story. So I uh, used to be in the music business. I had a hit record called Stomp on Warner Brothers Music. And uh, back in 89, did very, very well, made a ton of money. I was doing maybe 13 shows a week. Um, for the people in New York, they'll know clubs like the Ritz, um, Zanzibar, uh, the Tunnel, the Underground, um, Roseland. All these clubs in New York were just really going. It was like uh, New York was a big party town. It still is, but it was more of a different vibe back then. We had uh, clubs like Choice and, um, you know, it's just an underground movement of dancing, and it was just a really, really good time. But anyway, so I was doing shows, and I was making a lot of money per show, and I would come home with this satchel of cash, and I would do nothing with it. I wouldn't even put it in the bank. I mean, I, I probably went through $2 million in that period of my life, and uh, the funny part about it is um, I didn't do anything with it. Now, I'm sitting in a car in front of my mother's house, my grandmother's home, but my, me and my mom lived there. And uh, and I run into a, a neighbor of mine and and I'm also looking at the newspaper and I'm trying to figure out, you know, what I'm going to do. But I saw this movie called Trading Places with Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. And it excited me. I was like, wow, this has got to be cool. And so what happened is that uh, I got out the car to say hello to my neighbor and found out she worked at this company called Stratton Oakmont. I didn't know what Stratton Oakmont was. I don't know if they were the infamous Stratton Oakmont. The movie Wolf of Wall Street was made was uh, made after that company. Um, but nonetheless, she took me in. I went in and I remember being interviewed by this broker, Bobby Koch. And Bobby, you know, drilled me, but he liked my confidence. I, I, I you know, I'm one of those guys that has that street sensibility. So at the time, it was nobody going to get in my face and no one's going to make me, you know, crack underneath any type of pressure. And he liked that. So he hired me, you know, um, that place changed my life in good and bad ways. But the reality behind it is that I still didn't know anything about stocks. I had no clue. You know, all I knew was when they said buy, I bought. And when they said sold, sell, I sold. That was just the bottom line. So the funny part about it is it took years. That company went out of business in December. Um, I want to go December 6, 1996. And I uh, wound up going to another firm, still a stock jockey, you know, taking orders, buy, sell. I wasn't really, I didn't know what I was doing when it came to investing. I didn't know what I was doing when it came to, to research or anything. And then I wound up at this company called Canton Research. And Canton Research taught me actually how to research stocks. And, you know, and the funny part about it is at Stratton, we were recommending Apple computers at $18 a share. <laughs> that stock went from 18 to $700 a share in 2014. It split seven times, seven for one. 
at $94 a share, and now it's probably somewhere over $200 a share. So an $18,000 investment be worth over $1.2 million. Let that sink in. So the funny part about this is that I still didn't have a clue about stocks. And even when I was learning it at the research, it took me a long time. So I was licensed from 1995 to 2012. Um, uh, I let my license go because I became an insurance broker. But the reality behind it is, is that I still didn't start buying stocks for myself. So then I realized that, you know, the black and brown community didn't really get indoctrinated into stocks um, at all. We would just go to work. There was no way, there was no methodology on making our money grow. So how could you leave generational wealth if you can't gain wealth in your own generation? So I started thinking and then I had my son and it changed my world. I was like, okay, I can't leave him on the same zero that I was left with. I was left with nothing. I was left with wisdom, which is a lot, but nothing financial, which I could argue that point with myself saying everything that I got, I was able to create and turn into a financial gain. But still, nonetheless, it probably been a little easier with a war chest, right? So I began thinking, I don't want to do that for my son. And I also looked at the information that was out there. In school, they don't teach you um, anything that's going to be beneficial to building wealth. All they really teach you to do is go work for somebody else. So I said, okay, let me document all the ways that I've made money, how I pick stocks, how insurance um, is structured, give them some guidelines, and at the same time, just teach him about if he's going to go to college. Um, he can only go to a college because he'll have the money to go to college because that's already paid for. But he will only be able to go to college if he is going to build a business or be a topic top exec. So he, he can only go to a school like a Wharton, Cornell, um, a business school where he can actually meet the connections that it takes to be one of these top CEOs. Because I don't want to see him get caught up in the, you know, the churn the mouse and the butter. I don't want them to get caught up in that churn. So some people might agree. Some people may not agree, but it's my child and I'll do what I like. But when it comes down to it, I'm going to make sure I guide him the right way. And then I started thinking, okay, so let's give him some books to read. So that's how this book came about. All right. And I said, let me tell him my life story because see, I had him at the age of 51. So I'm 53 now. And when the time he turns 18, I want him to be able to read this book. It's not for him now, but He'll have the family history. You know, he'll have my story as told from his dad and he'll be able to read it. You know, my heart pumps through this book. You know, it wasn't even supposed to come out. Now it's out because my editor was like, this is too powerful. You have to put it out. And then I realized it's not just for a son. It's for a daughter. It's for a parent. It's for children, not children at their age to read, but for people who want to leave legacies and leave an inheritance, leave something behind. And, and that right there is important to me, you know, generational wealth. How are we doing that? So I decided today to take some time out, you know, to go over one of the chapters. It's called Money Talks. It's chapter 22. And, and really point out some things in the chapter that says, OK, how do you invest? Um, what do you do? What is your game plan? Uh, where do you start? Do I need a lot of money? Well, the reality is, no, you don't need a lot of money. You need a game plan. All right. But you got to become good with money first. So I'm going to challenge you with one thing. First and foremost, let me ask, 
Do you know what the meaning of free cash flow is? So while you think about that, let me give you the answer. It's the money left over after all the bills are paid. So if you can't identify that number, whether it's $500, $1,000, left over at the end of the month, then what you can't do is ever retire. Because that tells me that you're effectively evaporating every single dollar that you make. You're spending it. You don't identify it, so there's no way that you could be thinking about investment. So you're not actually working for your future. You're working for the things you put on your feet, the things that you put on your arm, the things that you put on your body, the house that you walk into or the rent that you pay. You could not be working for your family because a person who's working for their family and for a legacy is actually understanding how their dollars should be deployed. Now, I said deployed. Think about it. If you make $1,000 and you have $1,000, let's say out of that $1,200 is free cash flow, then your money should go in 200 separate directions. Your money should climb a wall of worry so you don't have to. And that's important for you to understand because how do we, you know, how do we get somewhere if we always spend the fare to get there? It doesn't make any sense. All right. So think like this. First and foremost, if I'm you, this is how I do it. OK, I'm going to take my paycheck and I'm going to split it into three different ways. Bills, household enjoyment. OK. And investment account. So if I got my no matter what, I pay my investment account first before I even have a household enjoyment. All right. And then I have a separate account for the bills. That money for my investment account, I have to make work. It has to work for me because what am I working for? Just to, you know, wait for Friday, hate Monday and can't wait till Wednesday's over because it's hump day. That doesn't make any sense. I got to look at my life as it has a value. You know, if you look at what the United States values your life, it's like something like eight, nine million dollars if you want to look it up on Google. But the funny part about it is I have to value my life. So when I think about the value of my life, I got to look at those dollars and say, okay, whose lives will they be taken care of? And for how long? So that's important to me. So then now I got a plan. I'm putting money on the side for investments, money in, this, in, a, in a family account because we got to work. We got we to enjoy our life somehow. Right. OK. And then money for the bills. I don't want to just work for bills. I want to work for myself. And if you notice, two thirds go to me. One third goes to them. OK. So now I got that squared away. Now I got to start reading. You know, I got to start reading. You read my book and get an idea of it. But you can also read people like Peter Lynch. Um, one up on Wall Street, beating the street, Warren Buffett's books. You got to be able to put your mind in that mind frame. Learn about money. But I like Peter Lynch. And here's why. His theory is buy what you know. OK, so if you think about it, what do I know? Well, I talked about Square Inc was one of the companies that was brought to my attention by um, my my recruiting agency. You know, she wanted to be paid on this app and I never, ever heard of this app. But when I saw it, it was trading at $24 a share and I researched it and I saw how fast they were growing. Stopped them from $24 to $101 a share and I bought it at $24 and change. All right. But the reality is I, I knew how to research it. So how do I research? Let's talk about that. And what tools do I use to research? And so I would say this to you. While I don't say to you, go buy this. Um, I'm not licensed anymore as a stockbroker, so I can't. This is not an offer to actually go out there and say invest and buy this because I said so. I'm just giving you the ideas 
based on my experience. Okay, I just want to be very clear. But what I did was I went to Square. I went to Investment uh, Investors Business Daily. Investors.com is the site, but they have a great rating system, composite rating, earnings rating, and I can see the revenue growth. And then I went to the earnings, I went to the Investors Business Relations site. Every company that's traded on the New York Stock Exchange or NASDAQ or on the exchange has their Investors Relations website. So I go there. And then what I do there is I look at their news clippings and I listen to their last earnings report. It's always pre-recorded. Okay, so at that point, I'm just doing some research. I'm kicking the tire. I then go to sites like streetinsiders.com where I can see all of the earnings over the last 15 years. And here's how I think about it. If the company is beating the street, exceeding numbers, quarter after quarter after quarter, growing at better than 25 to 30% a quarter or year over year, there's gotta be something good there. And where there's smoke, there's fire. So I start to look. I look at how the, the sentiment in the market, how look at how that company is being viewed. All right, I want to see the type of volume. What institutions are there? Are the inside insiders buying it or selling it? I want to see where it is and how it's placed in its marketplace. Is it number one in its category? I like to buy companies that are dominant in their category. And once I got all of this together, then I pull a trigger. All right, and then here's the theory. I don't want to look at it as a trade. There's no such thing. Buy low, sell high. You never get out at the exact top and you never buy the exact bottom. So the bottom line is, is that it's one of those things where when I look at a company, I'm looking to invest in the company. I am now an owner of the company. And that's what's that's very, very important because a lot of people are like, oh, no, Bitcoin. Bitcoin has no data. It's just the buy and sell of the day. Weed stocks, no earnings. Where are the earnings at? Still high uh, regulation. So I'm looking for companies that have growth. I'm looking at companies that have earnings. I'm looking at companies that have little or no debt. Well, no debt doesn't fly with a company like Netflix. We know Netflix by what we know because they, they spend like $8 billion on generations of movies every year. So obviously they're going to have some debt, but the company obviously has made some money over the last 10 years. If you were to take, if you would have took, and I put it in um, the book, if you would have taken, let's say, you know, in Maryland, the average cable bill I was running into was $250. If you took that $250 and put it away for one year into Netflix stock in June uh, 1st of 2009 and left it alone for 10, uh, for yeah, 10 years, um, that investment would be worth $180,000 if you sold it June 1st, 2019. Yes, one eight zero zero zero. All right, but what happens in our communities? We need to see our money right quick, right? We need to see it up front. We need to see it on our feet. We need to see it on our wrists. We need to see it. But that's not how money is generated. That's not how wealth is generated. If you want to leave generational wealth, you have to have a wealth building mindset. And and it's like watching paint dry. As long as your money's moving in the right direction, that's how, that's all you need. That's how you leave money behind for your children. That's how you do it, right? But you do it. You start by buying what you know. Think about it. If you would have bought all these companies, you know, McDonald's, Facebook, Tesla, um, uh, Netflix, Square Cash, Lululemon, all these companies that you are familiar with, that you wear, that you frequent, you would have scored. And if you think about it in that standpoint, think about this. Well, you got to say to yourself, how... When do I want to retire? Okay, how am I going to retire? 
And then you got to look at it like how much money is going to take for me to retire? Okay, so if let's say I'm in my 30s and I want to retire in my 50s, I got to say, okay, how much money do I have to put away from my free cash flow every single month? And what percentage do I have to get using a compounded interest calculator? You can find that on Google. All right. Money chimp, as in like chimpanzee, money chimp. They have a compounded interest calculator. I use it all the time. I love it. And you have to figure out how much money you have to put away at what interest to get the X amount of dollars, the X factor, as far as how much would you need monthly above your bills to live your life to the age of 100. So if you want to, let's say you wanted to, uh, let's say you were 35 and you wanted to retire at 50, that's 15 years. And let's say you wanted to retire with $5,000 a month, okay? In retirement, and that and that would that would be all you really needed. So if you think about doing the math, you're saying okay, five thousand times twelve, okay, at fifty times fifty, you would need three million dollars. So you have to figure out how do you get three million dollars to retire based on where you are right now, and the percentage that you have to fight for should be the information you need to learn. If you think about it. Instead of hanging out in the clubs, instead of listening to the radio, listen to audio books when you're driving. You can get so much information throughout your month driving. You can go through three, four, five books just driving on things that you know nothing about. Because if you use your information, your old information to get you to the new information, you are going to be stuck in the station and life is going to pass you by. And you're going to be the person that has to work to 70 because guess what? That's when they give you social security benefits at the full benefit. So you don't want to be that guy. You don't want to be the person at 21, right? You work, you go to school 21 years and then you have to work for 49 years because they raise the, the limit on Social Security. And then you have at the age of 70, what type of life do you have when you a your health is declining? You're about to retire. So your income now is going down and inflation is going up. You don't want to be that. What you want to do is start planning out your life a certain way. So learn about your money because, listen, the clubs could wait. We all know about that guy or gal that we go to the same club. If we do it right now, we leave right now, go to the same club. They're probably still staying there with the same sweatsuit on, the same clothes on. That's how it is. So you got to look at it from the standpoint of where am I going? Where do I want to go? And then you got to read. Okay. The tools that I use just to reiterate Investors Business Daily. I'm reading all financial books I can find. Streetinsider.com. All right. I'm looking at, I use Yahoo just to get some basic news. Okay, and I look at all the financial websites I can find to help me find things. I go to the investors relations page and I listen to their earnings call. I check out the press release. I YouTube the company because a lot of these companies have a YouTube website. Okay, so I I YouTube them. I Google them because you never know what you can find that will link you to another website that has information on that website that can help you make the decision. And the the thing I'm thinking when I'm buying a company is I want to hold that company for at least five years. I don't want to hold that company for two months. Number one, I'm going to take capital gains tax, short-term capital gains, and I don't want to do that. I want long-term capital gains. Anything over 12 months in a day is long-term capital gains. Anything under 12 months is short-term capital gains. You're obviously going to pay more money on short-term capital gains than you pay on long-term capital gains. So I'd rather hold that for as long as I can, and then I want to have a dollar cost average strategy. What does that mean? I want to If I had, let's say I had $10,000 to invest, I wouldn't want to put that all to work right away. 
I want, might want to identify five companies and buy a little bit of them every single week. So if I took that and divided them and said, let's say it was four, four weeks, I would put $2,500 to work on five companies. So that means $500 on each company. This way, if the stocks go up, good. If the stocks go down, great. If the stock goes up, good. It doesn't matter because I'm dollar cost averaging. I don't have to be right there because what I'm looking to do is buy the company here at this period of time to hold it over the long term. I'm not going to get caught up in the whole hype of buy low, sell high, because that's for people who don't really understand the market, because the only ones getting rich when you're buying and trading is the actual brokerage company and the brokers attached to them. So you want to be in a position where you can put your your family in that catbird seat so you don't have to worry about where you live, what you drive, where you eat, what you eat. It does not matter. You can do what you want, but you want to have a modest and a minimalist mindset, which means I'm willing to go without today so I can enjoy my life tomorrow and I can have money for my children's children because that's what Who's Your Daddy this book is about. It's about having money for his kids way after I'm gone. So I got a lot of work to do while I'm here. All right. So the bottom line is make sure that if you're going to go out there and you're going to work every day, listen, do it for your family. Do it for your kids. Learn, read, learn about the stocks. The clubs can wait. Make your relationships better so you can spend more time together. That's another thing. God help us. And then the other thing I want to finish with is um, college. See, I believe in, in education. I don't really believe in the traditional form of college, okay? Because I'm not going to be able to build wealth working for somebody, okay? Unless I'm, a, I'm an executive of one of these companies I mentioned. I'm a CEO. I'm a CFO. I got company stock. I got company shares. I got stock options, okay? And, and they're paying me in the millions a year. Yeah, I could do something with that. Okay, I can't do anything with the dolly when I'm trading my hours for dollars. All right. So if I do that, then I got to live as a minimalist so that I have low, low expenses so I could take whatever I get and I can multiply it. Like I always tell people, and I'm talking about exponential um, compounded interest, exponential returns. If you take a hundred dollars as an example and you put it away for, uh, let's say, for 20 years, a hundred dollars a month, that's it. Eight percent compounded interest. Well, if you did the regular straight math, that would be about $24,000. But if you had compounded interest working in your favor, 8%, that's $59,307 and 51 pennies. It's a big difference, right? It's over 200% return. So when you, when you look at that, you got to look at it from a standpoint of, listen, it's important that you know money. Get intimate with it. Don't worship it. It's just a tool. But learn about it. Learn about it. And if your thing is not taking risks, get into studying dividend stocks. Learn about how your money works. If you do that, then you'll be out of work faster than you think. All right, gang, this is a wrap. I appreciate you guys for joining me. Thank you for joining the Pop Life Podcast. You can check me out on my blog. It's www.thepoplife.blog. Check me out on YouTube, on the Pop Life Blog Vlog. Okay, gang, thank you for joining me on the Pop Life Podcast, Generational Wealth, episode number two. After all, who's going to take care of you better than you? Nobody. <laughs>